You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Hope you guys are all doing well on this cool summer morning. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Donnie. I work in the student ministry, and I got to hang out with Thor a whole bunch this week uh, at our beach escape, and he's right. It was an awesome time. Love being part of Riverside and just year after year watching uh, God do awesome things in every part of this church, but uh, in the student ministry as well. Um, We had a great time, and uh, looking forward to uh, more this year, more to come in the church, more to come in the student ministry, kids ministry. Um, Just looking forward to what God has, because God always has something. Um, We're in this whole idea, this series of page-turner. And a lot of times, uh, summer reading has you sitting, hopefully relaxing a little bit, enjoying a little bit of a breeze and reading a good book. And uh, so we're in the book of Acts in the Bible. I highly recommend the Bible as one of those good books that you dig into and read. And uh, we've been kind of going through the book of Acts and highlighting and looking at some of these incredible stories that came out of the whole birth experience of the church, where the church came from, and really this intense work that followed Jesus' life on earth that has led to us being here today, and Josh talked about that a little bit last week, and so we're going to develop that a little more, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 6 today, is where we're going to end up, and and looking at uh, a really unique individual who, when you look at all of scripture, it's it's kind of a blip on the radar, but what a blip on the radar he was, and uh, so... We're talking about uh, this page turner idea and great stories, and uh, I was recalling, and, and you'll see in a few minutes why I was recalling this, but uh, there are several kinds of people in the world, um, and as it pertains to traveling and cars and things like that, there are people that are very particular about the state of readiness keep, they keep their vehicle in. And there are people who are a little more loosey-goosey with it, you know, Um, not really paying attention to all the gauges on there unless one's really flashing at them, and other people who are very intentional about all of that. And I'd like to think I'm somewhere in the middle there, Uh, not quite, just not paying attention, but I'm not quite as particular as some people are. And I remember this one night that uh, I used to have this Dodge Durango, it was a a gray Dodge Durango. I loved it. It It's a real gas hog, though. And uh, so I didn't like putting gas in it because it took a lot of gas, and so I was one of those people that would just, you know, I'm going to use it all or most of it before I put more in it. And so I was driving one night, and I discovered something about this car, this truck. Uh, It developed a problem, and I didn't discover the problem until about 12, 15 a.m. when I was driving home from some church youth thing, and I think it might even have been later than that. You know, and I'm by myself, and I'm I'm going up Verona Road in Verona, and the gas gauge was reading quarter tank, but the gas tank was not at a quarter tank, and so it just quit on Verona Road at you know 12:15, 12:30, something like that. You know, it took me a few minutes to figure out what was going on. Kept trying to start it, all of that, and then finally, after you know a little bit of investigation. It's like, this, this, this car's out of gas. Even though, even though the gas gauge is reading quarter tank, this car's out of gas. So I called a friend who still goes to Riverside, and at that point he was a police officer, worked at Oakmont, and I knew he was on duty because he was working night shift. And uh, I didn't want to wake Shelly up. I didn't, you know, so I figured, I'll, just, I'll call Bob. Bob Festmeyer, some of you guys know him. And I called Bob, and I said, hey, are you working? He said, yeah. I said, can you like, come over into Verona and like, help me get some gas? I need to get some gas. Are you, like, are you available to do that? He's like, yeah, I'll come over and help you. So he comes over and we're driving and Bob is like he's one of those particular guys he's also a first responder 
So that he, he has a readiness mindset. He's always ready for anything. So we were driving. He's like, yeah, I always keep my car full all the time. He said, you never know when something's going to happen. Middle of the night, emergency, something happens. So anytime I want to be able to come out of my house, I want to get in my car and I don't want to be worrying. What if I don't have time to stop at the gas station? What if there's some kind of an emergency? And I'm like, man, I just don't think like that. You know, what if there's an emergency? And you do. It's true though. You come out, you want your car to be ready. You want it always to be full. So he never has to worry about a gas gauge being broken because his car is always full. So that's when he's talking like that. And I just feel like an idiot at that point. It's like, okay, so I'm the guy that's not ready and I'm out of gas. And I'm like, mm, can you take me to get some gas? So he took me, thankfully, uh, to get some gas because the truth is there's not always time to fill up. If something goes wrong, you do want to be ready. And that's just one of the things that we need to be ready for is having that gas tank full in case something goes on. We've got to be ready for life because life just happens. We don't get to plan it and organize it all the time. We've got to be ready. And, and again, when I say that, usually, we usually think when we hear that statement that ready for bad things. But we also have to be ready for the good stuff that happens. Because again, just like good, bad, or whatever, life just happens. Opportunities arise. And we've got to be ready. We've got to be full in order to seize those opportunities. Because when we talk about Page Turner, a book that you really want to read, one that you can't stop, you're not going to quit in the middle, you're going to keep going to the next chapter, the next chapter, the next chapter. Everyone would love to have a life like that. That's exciting, that means something, that people want to read the story of your life. We all want that. But are we all ready for that kind of a life to happen to us? Are we all ready for the next chapter? We're talking about this idea of stepping forward into your best story. But are you ready for your best story? Really, the question of whether you want your best story to happen, the question of whether you want your life to be a page turner in God's eyes and the people around you, that's, that's, it's a good question, but it really is, is a smaller question. A bigger question is, are you positioning yourself? Are you full? Are you ready for your best life to actually occur, to happen? And so that's the kind of question that sets you back. Okay, well, what do I need to do to be ready? If my best story is there, and if God's got a plan, if he knows the future, it's not whether he's ready or not. It's whether I'm ready and I'm full, ready for what God wants to do in my life. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do want that kind of life. We want to have a good kind of page-turner life. And, and we realize that adversity is part of that, God. We realize we're going to go through stuff, but we want to be ready for those things so that those difficult times can be turned into victories. They can become stories of your grace, your power, and strength working through our lives for the good things that happen, for the great opportunities that arise, for, for the things we see that we want to step into and be a part of. We need to be ready for that. And Holy Spirit, we, we realize that you know what's coming. So we ask you to help us to begin to get ready, to be full for what you have for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So for the good and for the bad, the person we're gonna meet this morning, he was ready for both. And he had a whole bunch of, of both happen and really did leave, live a page-turner life. And the short glimpse we see of Stephen here in Acts chapter six through uh, seven, we can see a lot of awesome stuff happening 
and why it happened and why he was ready for it. So the church is growing, this group of, of followers of Jesus, they're starting to meet together, the community's getting larger, uh, there's a lot of intensity to it, they're becoming more and more committed to this way of Jesus, they're loving each other, they're sharing, they're, they're more bold, more confident in the way of Jesus, and uh, good things are happening. All kinds of good stuff are, are starting to happen all around this community and around there, and attention is starting to get uh, kind of like put on this group of people, and with that attention comes pushback and opposition and persecution. And so you start to see that in the beginning of Acts, right along with the good, you see hostility and, and all of that stuff happening. It get, gets pretty bad. You know, we're talking about jail, we're talking about beatings, we're talking about it's coming from all different sides uh, of this community. And so Stephen is part of this community. He's a guy that is under the radar kind of up until uh, chapter six. And uh, let's take a look at uh, chapter six. So in Acts six, uh, verse one, it says, in those days, when, when all this stuff was happening, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And I have to say, before I started working in a church, I was just like this verse, I would just read it. And it never really caught my attention. It's like, wait a second. The complaining started. It's like, now I understand. <laughs> you can't have a church that's doing well unless someone's complaining about something. So I read that. I always laugh every time I read that. It's like, now you know the church is doing something. Now you know it's growing because people are like, wait a second, we don't like that over there. So again, the church is growing. Someone's going to complain. You read different translations. There are a lot of funny little ways to say that guy. A disturbance arose or people started getting unsettled about something. So, so they start getting upset and they're, they're, they're fighting, kind of complaining. So there's some grumbling going on. Verse two, so the 12... And it becomes a distraction. Verse two, so the 12 gathered the disciples together. So they had to like sit down. We need to talk about this. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on table. So it's an important ministry. Good stuff's going on. But we also need to make sure that the main focus is still happening. So we need to recruit some more leaders that are going to help deal with some of these issues that are necessary to deal with, but we have to make sure the focus remains on the Word of God and, and on ministry. So they said, we've got to bring some more leaders into this. We've got to bring some more people into this. And in verse 3, they said, uh, it, go, it goes on, it says, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to name some other people they chose that has similar qualifications. Stephen was ready. He wasn't known to this point as far as we can read the story. There was not a lot of attention there, but... He was known in that community. He was ready for ministry because he was full of the Spirit of God. And I love how it says he was full of the Spirit and wisdom. Stephen was doing all of the stuff that he needed to do behind the scenes to be ready to step in when he was called upon, when God gave the opportunity, when a problem arose that needed to be solved, when ministry needed to be done, he was ready to serve. And, you'd, and it's interesting, you know, Stephen was full of the Spirit and wisdom. Go take care of these tables. It doesn't say that Stephen was like, wait a second, that job's too menial for me. That's not, it's not important enough. Why do the disciples get to do the big awesome stuff and I've got to go deal with this food issue and making sure everyone gets fair stuff done? 
full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, and he was ready to serve. I think there's a lot of powerful ideas at work right there. I love the fact this incredible man of God, and you're going to see how incredible this guy was and what God wanted to do with him. This incredible man of God began his public ministry, his known ministry, by doing something that I think we would all consider to be pretty like logistical, pretty maybe even menial, you'd say, maybe behind the scenes. It's not an upfront ministry. And he was full of great power. And I think that's powerful because a lot of times we in our humanity, we look at those jobs as not requiring a whole lot of spiritual you know, stuff. We require, it, it's not spiritual maturity. We, we don't need people to have these qualifications. We can kind of stick them in the back corner. The truth is any kind of ministry, we need to be full of the spirit of God and full of faith and full of wisdom. And Stephen was ready. So you could ask the question, like, what was Stephen doing to get ready? Well, if you read the book of Acts, they, they were constantly devoted to the, to the teachings of, of the apostles and disciples. They were studying the word of God. They were meeting together regularly. And Stephen was there. You know his face was there. When the doors were open, he was there. They were praying. They were seeking God. They were worshiping. They were enduring opposition. And Stephen was right there the whole time. So they knew him because he was there. He was there and he was part of that family, part of that ministry, part of that group. And because he was full of the spirit, because God was working in his life and he was submitting himself with an open heart and mind to God, when the time came when someone said, hey, will you help with this? When the time came when the spirit moved him to get involved and solve a problem, when there was ministry to be done, when service, behind the scenes, not glamorous, week after week, service was required. Stephen was asked and he stepped up because he was full of the spirit. So for all of us, we should be ready to serve and we're not ready to serve until we're full. We need to fill up so we're ready to serve. When no one's watching, during our daily life when we're at home, we need to be filling up. So when the time comes, when we're called upon by our spiritual community, by the people around us, we're ready to serve. Not to be in a spotlight, not to be thanked, not to be congratulated, but to serve in whatever way is required. Sometimes it's to solve a problem. There's some kind of logistical problem. What skill do I have? How's the spirit moving in me? And am I spiritually ready? I think that's a, that's, that's a huge theme this morning. Is for all of us to look at ourselves and say, am I spiritually ready? Am I wanting something that I'm not ready for? And if I'm not ready for it, what do I need to do to be like Stephen? What do I need to do to be full of the spirit of God? What do I need to be doing to be full of wisdom? These are huge questions, and you know, I think the answers will come over weeks and months, and you, know, you show up, you're, you're, you're with the right, it's the basics, and sometimes we get sick of the basics, we get bored with the basics, but the basics are what fill us up. They were meeting together, they were praying, they were seeking God, they were studying his word, they were open, and they were open to the spirit. It, was, it wasn't too weird for Stephen to be open to spiritual things. He was inviting the spirit into his life, so he was full of the spirit, and therefore, because he was full of the spirit, he had power to deal with even the problems that people were complaining about. He had, and you need power. To deal with those, you need power. And Stephen had that. So he was part of this awesome group too. It's cool that it was with other people. There's a group of them that was, that was ready to serve. And so they joined hand to hand. They did it. It's pretty exciting stuff. That's why churches exist. That's how churches exist. That's how churches are healthy. That's why the kingdom of God is happening in the world. Because God is using people like Stephen to build his kingdom. Are you ready? Am I ready? We've got to fill up, so we're ready to serve. Acts 6, chapter 8. Now Stephen, 
a man full of God's grace and power. So it says he's full of the spirit and wisdom. I'd be cool if I was like full of one of those. Stephen was a pretty awesome guy. Must have been an awesome guy because now it says he's full of God's grace and power. Pretty awesome way to be described. Performed great wonders and signs among the people. So here's a guy who's waiting tables, you know, stacking chairs, showing up before everyone's there, probably cleaning up afterwards. And now it says that he performed great wonders and signs among the people. He was doing incredible things because he was ready. God was doing a whole bunch of stuff in his life. He was serving when no one was looking. He was willing to do whatever it took. And then not shockingly, really, if you know God, now he's being used to do crazy stuff, stuff that's very visible, stuff that freaks people out in a good way. Like, holy smokes, this definitely is God. Spiritual awesome things are happening through Stephen. Wonders and signs. It doesn't even say what those are. He's probably healing people. I mean, stuff was crazy stuff was probably happening that was getting attention. Sign. A sign is something that gets attention. And it gets attention because people are looking at the sign and they're saying, God has to be doing that. So this must be a, a, a legitimate thing because God has to be there. So we need to like consider the message of God because this sign is so ridiculous that we have to think about the message that they're doing. So Stephen, the Spirit's working through him to do miracles and powerful things. And then in verse 9 it says, opposition arose. So you have awesome, great things that people are like, that's sweet. But then right at the same time, people are like, this is too crazy. It's bad. And so opposition arose, however, from among the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. There's always that, too. Awesome stuff's going on, and they, someone wants to argue about it, and they're upset about it. And so they came up against Stephen. And I love verse 10, too. Verse 10 says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom that the Spirit gave him as he spoke. It wasn't his wisdom. So he's doing awesome things. He's out representing God in a little more of a public, a little more of a flashy way. He's digging in. He's ministering unapologetically with the spirit of God. People come against him. They want to debate. They want to argue. They want to push against all this stuff. And the spirit, because he was full, not of himself, not full of a great education, not full of a bunch of pre-programmed answers that someone gave him. He was full of the spirit of God that was living active daily, that he was seeking, that had been cultivated for years and months before that. The Spirit of God was already in him. He was ready. The gas tank was reading full. So when the opposition came against him, the signs and wonders are happening, the wisdom just came out as the Spirit. And it says that these educated, intimidating, serious, intense, cold, powerful people came against him, just flowed out. And it said they just couldn't have an answer. Who's that sound like? It sounds like Jesus. It sounds exactly like Jesus. The same thing happened to him. So Jesus said, I'm going to pour my spirit on you. And he did it. And he gave that same spirit, the Holy Spirit that was working through Jesus, that Jesus allowed so that he could be an example to us. That same Holy Spirit was on Stephen. So Stephen looks a lot like Jesus. Man, wouldn't that be awesome if that was our life? If someone was like, man, that just seems a lot like Jesus, that person. The way they're handling the situation, the way they're serving and doing grunt work ministry when they're asked to do it. They didn't even volunteer. Someone say, hey, will you help us with this? And then they're out there doing awesome things. Doesn't that look like Jesus? That person, how they're responding to the arguments. It's awesome. Stephen was ready. He wasn't just ready to serve. He was ready to do great things. Because sometimes I think that's our problem. 
We're like, you know, I can do the grunt work. <laughs> I can do the other, but I, there's a million excuses for me not to be really out doing the great things, whatever those are. So we kind of want to stay in the dark, and there are noble good things about that, but what if God also wants to use you to do these awesome things wherever you are? Are we ready for that? And it's not us that prepares for that. We don't, we don't take a great things class, a signs and wonders class. That's not how that happens. It's being available to God in this sin-broken world, full of the Spirit, so that when the time comes, we're ready. And when opposition comes, we're ready. Are we ready for the great things that God has, or are we limiting it so that we can say, I serve, I check the box, like, I'm, I can say I'm doing it, but I'm a little scared of the bigger stuff, because I don't want attention. Stephen was ready. He was full. We need to fill up. We need to fill up so we're ready to do great things, too. Whatever those great things are, how we define them, the Spirit determines that. Because Stephen was in a certain situation with a certain people in a certain town, and so are we. Are we ready to do great things? Are we full of the Spirit like Stephen and full of God's grace? I always imagine grace. I'm a metaphor guy. I always, metaphor, I always imagine grace as like if you look at a wall and there are all these cracks in the wall. I imagine grace as the stuff that fills in all the cracks. And Stephen was full of the great. God comes across with his big tool and he like smooths all that over and fills in the cracks and Stephen was full of the grace of God all the cracks in his life all the brokenness he'd allowed God to come in and fill in all of his imperfections and brokenness with his grace in his own life and usually when God's filling us that grace will spill over from the cracks in our lives and there'll be some that will get onto other people's lives and Stephen was full of that grace and he was full of power he wasn't slinking around not sure he stepped out. He's bold. Not because of him. Not because of his personality. I don't know. Does it say he was an introvert? Does it say he was an extrovert? There's no personality profile in here under Stephen's name. It just says he's full of the Spirit's power. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your personality type is. Sometimes it's like the extroverts. So they're the ones that have the Spirit. No, we just have big mouths. You know, we just have a lot of energy or we just can't shut up. You know, I know because I'm one of those. It's not that that determines how God uses us. It's the Spirit's power that determines that. It doesn't matter what our personality is. Stephen was full of the Spirit, and he was full of God's grace. He was full of his wisdom. He was full of his power. Acts 6, 11. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, because they couldn't stand up against his wisdom, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Also sounds familiar to what they did to Jesus. Verse 12, chapter 6. So they stirred up some of the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen. They brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs of Moses handed down to us. In verse 15, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. No one's ever said that about me. <laughs> Maybe for full enough of the spirit. Someone's like, there's an angel right there. <laughs> Maybe if I shave. <laughs> Although it is white. Chapter 7. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? And to this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. And we don't have time right now to read through all the details of chapter 7, but I would encourage you to do it, but I'm going to refer to the content of what he said. Because basically, after he says, listen to me, 
Stephen tells the story of his own people to these educated, powerful people who are very religious and knew the rights. They really did know the stuff. He beautifully takes and starts from the beginning. He tells the whole story of God interacting with people. And then he tells the story of Jesus and he brings it all together. He understood his story. When I say his story, he understood the story of his people. He was able to look back at all that God had done through his, the nation of Israel and how God was reaching to humans. How he spoke to Abraham. He was able through the spirit of God and by being around the teachings of Jesus to take that and beautifully weave it in together with the coming of Jesus, with who Jesus was. And he told the story to a bunch of people who really weren't interested, but he had the patience He had the concern for his own people. He had the concern for the message. He wanted the message to be clear whether it was received or not. He wanted them to understand why this was all happening. He wanted them to understand why he was doing what he was doing, so he answered. And he answered beautifully. And again, it wasn't because he was educated. It's because he cared and he owned the story. The story was at work in him. He knew the story. He had taken the time to internalize all of the beliefs. See, they were talking about the law of Moses and all that stuff that was chiseled in stone and and taught and, and drilled down on them. It was more than a drill for him. He had internalized that story. It was part of who he was. He understood it. He understood what it meant, not just back then. He understood what the story of God meant now, for him, for them, for the people who desperately needed it. And there's a big difference between knowing a bullet list or being able to, to cite the tenets of, of a religion or, or say chapter and verse in a Bible and being able to sit with someone and explain to them what it all means, what it means for everybody and what it means for you. And then his story is also fused into all that, how he knows Jesus and how the Spirit works in his life, and he brings it all together, and it's beautiful. And yeah, it looks intimidating, and we can't do that on our own. Remember, he was full, though. It wasn't just him. He was full of the Spirit, and the Spirit's whole function, when we say, give me power and strength, and we talk about that, you can't miss it in Acts. When we say, Spirit, fill me up, we say, Spirit, help me, when the Spirit's power falls on us, our mouths will be able to do things that we don't think that our mouths can do. And we will be able, with the Spirit's help, to talk to people and explain the message of God. And you may not feel like it's very eloquent. You may not feel like you're doing a good job. But that message needs to be spoken and heard. The people in our lives need to hear who God is and how it all fits together and how it weaves in with our story and who Jesus is. And he does it beautifully there. And as happens, they, they don't always listen, but he was still ready to speak. Regardless of whether they were ready to hear he was ready to speak. So we need to fill up. So we're ready to speak. We need to be full of the Spirit so we're ready to speak. In, in times that you don't think that you should be ready to speak. I mean, it could be at a gas pump. It could be standing in a Target. It could be in a parking lot. It could be in a classroom. We don't, the best moments of that don't happen when we want them to happen or think they're going to happen. With your own children riding in a car. An opportunity sitting in a, in a parking lot where someone's about to get out and you've been spending some time together and, and an opportunity happens and you start to have a conversation. That's why we need to be ready beforehand because it's not always time to pull out our piece of paper and stand and present. It doesn't always work like that. So we have to be full of the Spirit. Help me to be ready every morning, every day. God, help me to be ready to speak. Spirit, give me wisdom. Give me strength. Give me your grace. Give me your peace. Give me your power. Acts 7. 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. You're grinding your teeth. You're pretty mad. Or you're sleeping, and you need your little night bite thing that you put in. 
But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. There it is again. You noticing that? It's not just here. And Luke was intentional about saying that. Luke is pointing something out. Luke was, was meticulous, meticulous historian. And you'll see him highlighting all through the book of Acts. Look for, for phrases like that. Because Luke's trying to communicate that this was a spirit movement. It was a spirit group of people. These were spirit experiences. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city. They began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a, of a young man named Saul. There's Paul standing there watching all of this. And it, and it hadn't quite hit him yet. He, 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 he hadn't come around to it. And he's standing there and he's watching this happen. And, and it made an impression. He talks about it later in the New Testament. It made an impression on him. Verse 59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Also sounds familiar. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. How do you do that? How do you do that? I, there's no way I could do that. It's got to be the spirit of God. He was ready to forgive. Never understood this until later on in life. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is a posture that we approach life with and we approach relationships with. It's not just looking at an offense and forgiving that offense. It's a posture where we are ready to forgive whatever comes at us. And that is only done through the work of the Spirit. Humanity cannot produce that. And so here's Stephen, like Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. He has a posture of forgiveness and he looks at these people who are murdering him. He says, God, don't hold this against them. He's looking at Jesus, you know? Staring at Jesus. Don't hold this against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen was ready to sacrifice. How many of us get up in the morning ready for that? Ready to sacrifice. I'm ready to, I'm ready to be poured out for you. It's a posture. A posture to forgive whatever offenses come our way by whatever way they come. A posture that says, Jesus, today, whatever sacrifice your kingdom demands, this life of following you demands, this message, the work of God in the world, whatever sacrifice that demands financially, physically, emotionally, whatever it demands, Abraham was ready to make that sacrifice. By the spirit of God's power, we can be ready to sacrifice. And we need to fill up so we are ready to sacrifice because the sacrifice comes calling and we're not full of the Spirit. Chances are in humanity, our humanity, we're going to run away from that sacrifice because self-preservation is our inclination, not sacrifice. He was ready to sacrifice. He was ready to forgive because he was full of the Spirit of God. He was full of God. He was full of all of the stuff that God wants to pour into us that you hear about at church every week. You hear about it on Bible studies and when you're reading your Bible and you're praying. He was full of all that stuff. So he was ready to sacrifice. And we should be too. And if all of us are, imagine what the church would look like if that kind of stuff was going on. Imagine the stuff that God could do through us if we were ready. And that's the thing today. Fill up so you're ready. Fill up so you're ready. Do whatever it takes to keep the tank full of the Spirit of God and all the stuff that comes from him and all the ways that he fills us up, all of the fuel lines that he uses to pour into our lives. Make sure they're all open 
and all flowing so that you can be full of the Spirit of God to be ready for all of these awesome things. Serving, doing miracles, signs, wonders, great things that you're able to speak and help people understand so you're ready to serve, ready to sacrifice, ready for opposition, ready to forgive, ready to act just like Jesus. Fullness is readiness. Fullness is readiness. Stephen, I'm sure if you said, hey, what kind of life you wanna live, he wouldn't have written these as the chapters. But he was ready for it. He was ready for what God wanted to do because God had that story written. None of it was programmed. Life just doesn't program like this. We've gotta be ready for it. And Jesus modeled this beautifully. Jesus was full. If you read the story of Jesus' life, he did everything he needed to do to prepare. If you go read, it's beautiful. He, he, was, he was devoted to God very early. He was, it talks about even from the time he was, he was younger and he went all the way up through his ministry. He did everything that he was supposed to. He was submitting himself to God every step of the way. And man, was he ready. And he did all the same stuff. All the same stuff. And thank goodness he did because the truth is we cannot be full of all the stuff that God wants us to be full of when we're full of garbage. When we're full of sin, when we're full of selfishness, when we have our, I want to have my cake and eat it too mentality, and you know, that's how we are. We want what we want. The truth is, and it's a hard truth, we cannot be full of the Spirit, we cannot be full of God when we're also full of sin, selfishness, worldly stuff, pleasure, hunger for material things, distracted, anger, bitterness, harping on the pain of the past. We cannot be full of God's stuff and be full of that too. And Jesus knew that, so his sacrifice gets all those lines unclogged. His sacrifice clears away all that darkness and allows the possibility for open fuel lines to be coming into our life. so we can't be full until we first say, Jesus, can you wash all this toxic junk out of me? Because I am not ready to be full because the tank's full of other stuff. I read a story recently of a, of a whale that washed up on a beach in, in Thailand, and they, it, it died, and so they cut it open to see what was going on. There were all these plastic bags in its stomach, and because of all that junk that was in its system, it couldn't eat and get the good stuff in, so it just died. And it's such a, a true illustration of us. We go after all of this, this temporary, earthly, fleeting stuff, and it clogs up our system, and we get sick, and we're on our way to spiritual death. Jesus needs to come pull out stuff out of us. So that's the first step, and it's always the first step. What are you full of? <laughs> what are you full of as you sit here today, and what do you need to do to be ready and take that, ne that next step with Jesus? And what kind of help do you need to ask him for to take that next step this morning? How will you fill up, and what are you filling your life up with? Currently, right now, if you continue to fill your life with the stuff that you're filling your life with right now, what will the end be? Where is it taking you? If you'd bow your heads, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up so that we can begin to respond, and it's never a total response on a Sunday morning or a Bible study. It's the beginning of a conversation with Jesus. It's the beginning of a thought process that hopefully will last through this week. And, and if it's a really great morning this morning for you, then it's something that will change you and, and actually put you on a new trajectory to seek some things that maybe you weren't seeking when you came in. What is the next step for you? And maybe it's a little overwhelming to look at, at someone like Stephen or Jesus and say, man, I, I just can't see my life being like that. Okay, well, what's the next step? What's the next step to take you closer to? We talked about a lot of things. What's the next step to take you closer to where God wants you to be.
I'm not confused that, that my words or anything we could put on the screen is enough to make some kind of huge difference in your life, but I know that if you ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, he will. I know that if your heart is open and your mind is open, if, if you're ready, if you're wanting God to move in your life, despite anything I would say or anything we could program, I know the Holy Spirit always has an agenda for you. I know God has a plan for you, and I know that if you seek it, he will show you what the next step is. And I encourage you, I, I, I would even say I beg some of you to let go of that other stuff. And, and maybe you wouldn't call it toxic or sinful, but, but you would also say it's not the God stuff. I will say that, it's, it's not God stuff. I encourage you to let that go. It may be tough, but I promise you that what he will fill you with will not be disappointing. But you gotta trust him and let it go. And some of it is sin. Maybe you're here and, and honestly you'd say that there is junk in my life. Will you let him help you with that this morning? I encourage you to have one or two conversations this week or over the next month and talk to somebody about this. Ask for help. Get involved with a group of people or, or sit down with some, a person, two people. They can talk through these things with you, pray with you, encourage you, challenge you a little bit. Someone who knows you, maybe, maybe someone knows your stuff. And you could ask them and they'll tell you what they see. I encourage you to have the, the strength and the courage to get together and let someone speak into your life a little bit. Invite some accountability. Maybe you're here this morning and your simple prayer needs to be Jesus, take the, the junk out so that I can be full of what's good. That's your first step. Forgive me, clean me. You died on the cross, you say, so that I could live, and, and I want that. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, God, forgive me because you know I've not, I've not been preparing. I, I've not been focused on being full of you so that I could be ready to live the kind of life you want me to live, forgive me for that and help me to start focusing on filling myself with you and the things that come from you so I can be ready to live the kind of life you want me to live. Maybe your prayer today is, is you're in the middle of one of these situations. You're in a serving situation. You're in a situation where you're trying to speak to someone and, and help people. You're in a situation where you're, try, you're trying to do great things and there's a lot on your plate. There's a lot going on. You're doing a lot for God. You're in situations where you feel like you really need it. Maybe you're in a sacrificial situation where you're facing some, laying down some big stuff for him. And your prayer is, Holy Spirit, give me the strength in this season to be what I need to be, to see this through. Not to give up, not to quit, not to doubt you, not to lose my confidence, not to grow too weary or tired. Help me by the power of your spirit, because I know I can't do it on my own, to be in the situation I'm in and to do it well. God, I pray for all of us today that wherever we are, whatever stage we are, that you would fill us with what we need to do the next chapter, to live the next chapter of our life, to, to answer your call, to help solve problems, to, to be ready to speak to those around us words of life that you've put in us. Holy Spirit, we can't do any of it on our own, but we're willing to put ourselves before you and ask you to fill us so that we can do what you want us to do. We can't imagine the great things you want to do through us. 
And so we trust you just to fill us up, put us in the situations we need to be in, and help us to respond out of the abundance that you pour into us. Give us wisdom we don't have, grace we don't have without you, power we don't have without you, faith and trust in you that we don't have without you. Fill us with those things this morning. We invite it. Fill us with your forgiveness. Take our sin off of us, God, because we can't live this life with darkness and sewage in our life. Take our eyes off the things that distract us so that we can be focused on you and get to the end of this thing and look you in the eye and be thankful for the stuff we got to do in your name. It's in your name we pray, worship, and respond and start this thought process and conversation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.